And now we're moving on to something that might interest us all because we're getting an extra hour's sleep in the morning, um, which for many people is a very welcome phenomenon. Uh, But how useful (laughs) is sleep and can we get too much of a good thing? I'm joined by uh, Motti Varghese, a behavioural sleep therapist at the Sleep Therapy Clinic in St. James's Private Clinic. Uh, And Motti, you're very welcome indeed to the programme. Now, uh, people will uh, enjoy a lion. Are are lions good for you or bad for you? Um, Especially for tomorrow morning. It's, I'm, I'm not going to be the most favoured person for a lot of people tomorrow. Uh, but I think what we need to remember is that we are only changing the time on the clock. Our internal clock is going to be running at the same time. So it is going to take us a few days to, to get used to the new times. So if, if, if I could, I will divide people into three groups. One is the first group who sleep normally during the weekdays and weekends. Yeah. Uh, they're not accumulating a sleep debt. So they are going to be waking up at their usual time. So what I would advise is... Um, uh, Make my a advice cup would of tea be and to, go back to bed. Uh, no, okay. get up and <laughs> use the time for something that you always wanted to do, but you didn't get the time to do, like starting meditation or you know going out for a walk. Um, something um, more productive than just staying in bed for an extra hour or put up your Halloween decorations. And now there's a second group, which has, um, which is most of us who would not get enough sleep during weekdays, and we are accumulating a small sleep debt. And debt, as debt, in, as in owing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we have a small sleep debt. So what I would say is to, uh, if you wake up at your usual time, you know, pay off your sleep debt to a certain extent, get an extra hour of sleep and wake up the, at, the, at the new time. Now, there is another group who is accumulating a significant sleep debt and they would have a tendency to overcompensate for their sleep loss. Now, we, can't, we cannot fully pay off this sleep debt, but try not to overcompensate because the... To, it is very important for us to make sure that we do have certain wake hours before we go to bed at night again. So if you sleep in until 10 or 11 in the morning, then you don't have enough wake period left for you to build up your appetite for sleep or your sleep drive. Your sleep desire pressure. for sleep. Exactly, yeah. for uh, for the following night. So as a result, you would accumulate a social jet lag and we have to try and avoid that. So try not to overcompensate for the sleep loss. But if you are having a small sleep debt, pay off it and try and, um, you know, get the, get the extra hour, but try not to overcompensate. Right, okay. You would imagine that there's not a lot in an hour. Well, there isn't, but anything extra is good uh, yeah. to pay off the small sleep debt yeah. without overcompensating for it, yeah. you know, the because we is, need to. How do you explain all this to a newborn child? <laughs> I, I think we've all looked into prams and said, yes. you know, the, the clocks yeah. are changing. Yeah. Um, what, what, what impact does a lack of sleep have on people? Well, the three areas where sleep deprivation can have an immediate consequence and also a long-term consequence. I think the immediate consequence will be of more interest to us. Sleep plays a significant role in memory formation. So we, when we take an information that is going into a short-term memory basket, let's say the hippocampus in our brain, and that is converted into long-term memory when we fall asleep and get a good night's sleep. If I could explain, sleep also has different stages. So, for example, the non-REM and REM sleep. So, yeah. non-REM is just if you go through that now in, in yes, yeah, stage one, two, yeah. and three. So, stage two and three would have um, a bigger role to play in uh, forming declarative memory, which is factual information. You know. Um, 
a capital city of a particular country or oh, right. the new Brexit date, you know, it keeps changing. So um, the second type you of... You couldn't me- possibly remember You couldn't that, possibly okay. remember no. that, no. The second type of memory is procedural memory, so which is mostly formed during the REM sleep. For example, how to do a specific task on an Excel sheet or how to play piano, you know, all those are procedural memories. So those kind of memory formation will be affected if you're not getting enough sleep. So I- what would happen? Well, we wouldn't form that memory. So if your short-term memory basket is not emptied by converting it into long-term memory by getting a good night's sleep, our ability to learn things would be diminished. So, And that's also why the pre-learning sleep is as important as post-learning sleep. So when we get a good night's sleep before we go to attend a workshop, let's say, um, all the short-term memory is converted to long-term memory and you're ready to take in more information. So you empty the basket. You do. Into another basket. Into, an, into a long-term memory. It is a bit like clicking the save button, you know, or storing um, information in the cloud. Yeah. Um, so it also, sleep also affects our decision-making abilities. You know, there are automatic decisions that we take every day uh, which and not much uh, thought goes into it. And that is very sensitive to sleep loss, for example, driving. You yes, know, you, because you d- you don't actually think of what think you're about doing when you're uh, what you're doing when you're driving, and it is very sensitive to sleep loss. There are complex decisions that we make, which is also uh, sensitive to sleep loss of accumulative sleep loss of thirty six hours, and also the very executive decision making process, um, which is uh, taken at the top level of organizations, which is also sensitive to very sleep loss. Uh, sensitive to sleep loss, but what's important is the complex the people who, on a daily basis, take make complex decisions, and that becomes very, uh, that's become very routine for them, right? And that can be sensitive to uh, sleep loss. Um, there is also we can also. It also leads to lost memory or false memory. There was a research done where one group of there were two groups of people. One group uh, was sleep deprived, and the other group was normally sleeping. And both of them were given negative information and positive, pleasant information. But the people po- positive, pleasurable, positive, uh, uh, pleasant oh, information. Yeah. Yeah. And this the group that slept normally retained both the positive and negative information. But the group that was sleep deprived only retained the negative information. So there's also going to be lost, Isn't that extraordinary? Mm, lost or false memories that we can make. Learning is also affected. Um, you know, as I described earlier, the pre-learning sleep is important because uh, if you don't get enough sleep, we don't have the capacity to absorb information and retain it. More, more importantly, um, yeah. So that's that's some immediate consequences of. Um, not getting enough sleep. The long-term consequences, you know, most people would know that, that it can affect, it, 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 it can affect our heart health uh, or our mental health in, 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 in long term. Yeah. What about siesta? Yes. Um, siestas are considered to be, uh, to be good and when we can do that, so there are studies done in, in, in Greece, which is a very common practice over there. The heart diseases, the incidence of heart disease was less in people who took siestas or naps regularly. And it is okay to take. I mean, it, there is also evidence to prove that it improves, in, improves the creativity and productivity. A lot of workplaces have started looking into it and putting nap pods and energy pods in the workplaces so that, you know, the required employees can take, it, take a short nap. it's hard to, like, just fall asleep like that. It's unleashed, but, you know, depending on the personal circumstances, some people may have um, um, children whom they need to attend to or elderly parents whom they need to attend to at night, and they would their sleep would be affected. So they would have that tiredness, particularly in the afternoon between 2 and 5, 
uh, which uh, what we call the secondary window of circadian low, the second sleepiest part in, in time in 24 hours. Um, so it it's would be between two o'clock and f- two o'clock, two, two, two and four or two and five, depending on your chronotype as well. Some of us are morning type, and it would be a slightly earlier for morning type people, and evening type people that sleep in a zucker later, maybe at around three or four. Yeah. You know? So it, it's it's up to ourselves to identify when we feel sleepy and find out our chronotype as well. Um, so in those cases, uh, the nap is very useful, provided we follow certain rules. If you're napping, keep it as short as you can, up to a f- maximum of 45 minutes. And that's probably not possible in workplaces, but 20 minutes would be ideal in workplaces. Uh, up to 45 minutes and finish the nap by 4 p.m. Um, and you know delay the bedtime by the duration of the nap. So if you nap for 20 minutes, go to bed 20 minutes later than your usual Right. And is it as refreshing as it is alleged? Um, or do you just get kind of dozier and sleepier? It depends on the duration of the sleep as well. If you sleep longer than 45 minutes, you go into the deeper stages of sleep. And then when you wake up, you actually feel, would feel more tired than you, uh, than you were before. But if you keep it short, uh, there is definitely a significant impact uh, on the productivity and creativity. Right. Um, mind you, in some of the European places that always had siestas, they're changing now to our what, less sophisticated way. Don't like you stay open Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, right. no breaks yeah. for shops or, yes. Yes. or anything like that. Yeah. Now, the, the you were talking there about circadian rhythm. Yes. <clears throat> how does that go out of kilter and how do you get it back into kilter? Um, well, we have to sync it with the nature. I mean, we have to, you know, the most important factor to keep the circadian rhythm intact is to look at our light exposure because the light that's coming in through our eyes is sending a signal to the body, especially first thing in the morning, that it is daytime now and the sleep time is over. Yeah. And similarly, the darkness in the evening is very important as well because when we are in a dark environment or a dimly lit environment two hours before our bedtime, it signals to the body that it's time to go to bed and right. sleep. So when there, is, when there isn't bright light, it, our body will start producing melatonin, which is the sleepiness hormone. And that happens for two hours on the melatonin level peaks and allow us to fall asleep. And that's one of the reasons why we would advise to not use any screen devices like, you know, blue light emitting devices like your smartphone, right. iPad, laptop you know, any of that for two hours before your bedtime because that can affect our melatonin levels and can delay our sleep onset. That's very interesting. Anyway, as you said at the outset, you probably weren't over-thrilling people who were looking forward to turning over in the bed in the morning. Well, uh, if you have a small sleep, take the extra hour okay. and try not to overcompensate. That's that's what I would like to say. OK, listen, thank you very, very much indeed for that. That's Motti Vergaze. And uh, it's also a reminder to everybody that there is a change in, in clock for tomorrow.